I'm so glad we are finally, finally doing this episode when it was clear that I wasn't going to be able to use the other recording. And it was clear that I was going to have to record from scratch. I immediately was like, okay, I have to reach out to Emma. <laughs> and like, um, and partly because you are a student of history, you love history, like you have the cred. And part of me was like, Emma's the only person I know who will have seen a direct-to-video sequel to Pocahontas. I have. I, I will know what I'm talking about. I own both VHS tapes at home, both Pocahontas and Pocahontas 2, Journey to a Brave New World. Oh, Journey to a New World. I'm sorry. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> because I, I was like, yeah, have you seen the sequel to Pocahontas by chance? And you were like, Journey to a New World? I'm there. <laughs> I, yeah. I know. I remember everything. That boy yes. was fine. We do not stand John Smith in this house, but John Rolfe, we also don't really stand him, but we stand him a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so to recap, we are not just talking about Pocahontas in this episode to round off real fiction. We are also talking about Pocahontas too, because how can we not? Like, actually, when we were starting real fiction, just a fun fact, as a test pilot for ourselves, we just did Pocahontas because we're like, there's so much shit to talk about. And it was like, the unedited recording was like two hours. Oh, God. <laughs> it was just so much stuff. But it was just like, we need, we learned how to you know, mm-hmm. whittle it down. But it was just sort of like, we could go on and on about this, like, hot mess of a movie. I think I use the word hot mess too much mm-hmm. in this episode. Um, stop me if I say that again. <laughs> <laughs> I will, but also I do agree. <laughs> there's, there's perhaps no other word for it. <laughs> Is it history? Is it fiction? Is it somewhere in between? What's the real story behind the movies you think you know? This is Real Fiction. But to start with, I just wanted to talk about the myth of Pocahontas, because I think, if anything, that's the biggest lasting legacy of this movie, is it's really cemented this idea, right, of, like, Mm -hmm. Pocahontas and John Smith and the relationship. It's, like, it's done so much culturally, but I want to talk about the myth of Pocahontas as it existed before the Disney movie, because it's not the it's not actually responsible for making this romantic story. It's just like maybe what you and I have like become most familiar with because we grew up with this. Yes. So the narrative of Pocahontas that we're familiar with, this actually is a very old story. It dates back or myth, I should say, dates back as early as the turn of the 19th century. So early 1800s. Um, one writer, John Davis, an English writer who is generally regarded as the first one to turn it into a romance with Smith instead of her actual marriage to John Rolfe. John Davis makes it a romantic relationship and um, also makes it makes her rescue of him um, like a result of her love for him. Right. She like wanted to save her lover. Exactly. Emma's making faces. I, <laughs> uh, and I, I agree with all of them. I do hate men. I'm just going to say that as a general <laughs> rule. Uh they are terrible, and I do dislike them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Davis, he was a British writer who reported on his travels. He published in 1803. And even then, he spoke of the memory, quote-unquote, of Pocahontas that he wanted to protect. So already, you can see that she's becoming like this figurative, symbolic person rather than an actual young woman. During the Civil War, she actually, interestingly, became a political symbol for both sides, in a way. So she became a political symbol among abolitionists. Her name was used as a as a pseudonym for abolitionist writers because she signified peace between two distinct races. Mm-hmm. The Confederate tried to co-opt her narrative as well because her marriage to John Rolfe, her actual husband, 
um, gave the South this like common historical origin point in Virginia, which wasn't which was like outside the pilgrim centric narrative of the North as like our origin story. I feel like I can confirm that she would burn Confederate flags. Agreed. <laughs> in the 1900s, now we get to the movies about her. Disney was not the first movie about her. So there were a few silent films, Pocahontas, the 1910 film, Pocahontas and John Smith, the 1924 film, 1953 is the first sound movie with her, and it's called Captain John Smith and Pocahontas. Mm -hmm. And then even in 2005, like after Disney, the movie The New World, do you remember when this movie came out? I think I have seen that movie. Yes, this looks so familiar on Google Images. (laughs) It also sets up the romantic relationship between her and Smith. Christian Bale is in both the Disney Pocahontas as well as this movie. <laughs> the Pocahontas Disney movie. Do you know who he plays? He's like the the small friend. That's not a good description. <laughs> but um, he's the one that's like really kind and is like, wait, we shouldn't murder them. That's crazy. I And I didn't know he was in this movie, so the first time I watched it, too, I was very surprised, where I was like, this definitely sounds like Christian Bale, but not only that, it sounds like Christian Bale trying really hard to do British accent, but he doesn't know what he's doing. Like, <laughs> this new world's going to be great, John. I'm going to get a pile of gold, build me a big house. Wait, when did Pocahontas, the Disney movie, come out? Uh, 1995. Okay. Um, for obvious reasons, the Pocahontas story is not typically well-received among Native American groups. And to state the obvious, it is a story sexualizing a young Native woman. I think it's maybe one of the most famous historical inaccuracies of, like, any movie we've covered. She was a kid when all of this was happening, right? Yes, and not even just a kid by our standards. Like, a kid by their standards as well. So I don't really want to see anyone being, did you know girls just matured younger back then? Absolutely not. Still a child, even then. (laughs) That is a very good point. Yes. Going into the movie itself and the production history around it, according to the producer James Pentecost, uh, Colors of the Wind was written before anything else was. And it determined Pocahontas' character as well as what the movie would really be about. I think the only people who are people are the people who look and think like you. But if you walk the footsteps of a stranger... You'll learn things you never knew, you never knew. Stephen Schwartz, a lyricist, said, quote, A great deal of credit goes to the Native Americans whose thoughts and words and point of view impressed me. I basically tried to express that as honestly as I could. However, one of the main indigenous consultants on the film, Shirley Little Dove Costalao McGowan, was asked to advise on the film. And initially she was happy about this, but pretty soon... After film had begun production, she learned that they didn't really want her consultation mm-hmm. and didn't, like, really care what she was saying or care to stick to historical accuracy. She didn't feel like she was being heard. So uh, she would later say she, quote, wish my name wasn't on it. I wish Pocahontas's name wasn't on it, unquote. I have no words. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Next, I want to kind of go into the different characters. Just a quick disclaimer, though. Most of our sources on a lot of this are going to be English. So they're either going to be biased or they're going to just have holes in, like, certain things that we want to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, That being said, let's jump into just Pocahontas to start with. Her name was Amawunte, actually. uh, And she also had a private name, Matawaka, that she never shared with the English. And Pocahontas was actually a nickname, which meant something along the lines of playful one. 
She was the daughter of Chief Powhatan, who we see in the film. He was the lead chief of the Powhatan chiefdom. John Smith wrote that Pocahontas was Powhatan's favorite daughter. And I think the movie does this too. I didn't even know he had other daughters. What? (laughs) Oh, okay. There you go. (laughs) And interestingly, I saw a note that was saying that historians dispute this claim. And people argue that she was not the favorite daughter. But I feel like that's such a harsh thing for a historian to be like, actually, she was the fourth favorite. Yeah, I feel like that. I don't know if we can really be sure of that. (laughs) I just, I feel like that's a stretch. This, this is the most important inaccuracy (laughs) in the movie. We just want everyone to know that she probably wasn't even the favorite daughter. That's a lie. Back to what you were saying before, Pocahontas was literally a child. So when the English arrived in Jamestown... In May 1607, Pocahontas was 11 in 1613 after the events of the first movie. So after John Smith is rescued, Pocahontas actually gets kidnapped uh, and held for ransom by the English. So the ending of the movie, you're watching it and like they're leading you to feel hopeful. You know, true love has saved the day. They're kissing. He's injured, but he's going to get better. And then I think he says something that's like, I'll see you again one day. So you're like, yeah, they will see each other again. Like, this is lovely. Um, According to one oral tradition, the Mataponi tradition, um, Pocahontas was already married to Kokowum at this time. Mm. Um, But then the English raided their village and kills Kokowum and their child (gasps) to kidnap Pocahontas. What? Yeah. Kokowum dies? What? Yes. He he just always gets the short end of the stick in every telling of the story. In 1614, she converts to Christianity. And that year, she also meets John Rolfe. And then they do get married. In the movie, so uh, Pocahontas, her rice diplomat, and her marriage. This is all the stuff that we see pretty much in the second movie. Someone must go. This is a matter of diplomacy. You can't handle a job like this. I will go. Daughter. Father, please. I can do this. At first, they're like bickering bitter enemies to lovers. Like, they're doing that trope in the movie. Anyway, so she does go to England with Ralph. But she unfortunately died on her way back to Virginia from a lung disease. We're not totally sure what. In 1617, at only 21 years old. (sighs) Super young. Now let's get to John Smith. Let's take out the trash. Tell him. (laughs) I am very happy to report that John Smith sounds like the absolute asshole you'd think he is. Yes. Like, who is the movie John Smith? He's very dashing. I think he's definitely portrayed as the hero. He, you know, he's set against this very uh, physically, you know, he's blonde hair, blue eyed, which historically is always the good hero character in Disney films. Hey, look, is that Smith? That's him, all right. The old sea dog. Captain John Smith. I've heard some amazing stories about him. So he goes through this transformation when he meets Pocahontas and doesn't want to shoot her. Mm-hmm. At the top of the movie, he's like completely for shooting yes. any Native American that he sees. Mm-hmm. About the Native. I'm counting on you to make sure those filthy heathens don't disrupt our mission. Well, if they're anything like the savages I've fought before, it's nothing I can't handle. John Smith, already in real life before this before this journey, he had a history already of what we would call, quote-unquote, a gentleman adventure. He wasn't necessarily high class, but he had, like, risen the ranks through mercenary work in, like, mm. other wars. Okay. Um, So in 1600, he actually left England to battle the Ottoman Turks in Eastern Europe. He also fought against Spain. What do you suppose the new world will look like? Like all the others, I suppose. I've seen hundreds of new worlds, Thomas. 
What could possibly be different about this one? He was known to be very proud, but not very amiable. So, like, that's a big thing with the with the movie is that he's like, I don't know, the popular kid. You know what I mean? He's like the popular jock. Everyone's like, John Smith is here. (laughs) Leave the savages to me. You think they'll give us much trouble? Not as much trouble as Smith will give them. In reality, on the way to Virginia, he got arrested (laughs) as a mutineer, and they locked him up in chains. Oh, man. And then even while chained up, he caused more problems. Oh, my God. (laughs) The reigning governor was like, you know what? When we make landfall, we're going to execute him. Oh, shoot. And the only reason they didn't was two crew members eventually intervened at the end and he gets spared. And then when they land, the Virginia company, which the Virginia company actually made him part of the governing council of Virginia. So he, like, does get authority, even though everyone there hated him. (laughs) What? I they can't lose. They trip and they win. I don't understand. <laughs> Can you imagine oh. being on that boat and being like this fucker? <laughs> Honestly, I feel like yeah, you're just like, does no one else see what has happened? Am I the only one? <laughs> he was in jail and now he is like part of our governing board. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> we chained him up because we hated him. Yes, but I guess, yeah. I mean, you have to see the same 10 people. You get into one fight with your friend, and then you're looking for new allies, you know? That's true. That's very true. It's only a couple hundred of them. Yeah. Um, after his release, uh, obviously, and his joining of the council, he helps um, work alongside the new president, which was John Ratcliffe. Yeah. Um, so they weren't necessarily enemies in any noticeable way, shape, or form, but mm-hmm. they did work alongside each other as the governing council. John Ratcliffe's character, I should say, was pretty much entirely made up. Like, everything about his backstory is not really based on anything. Um, He captained one of the ships that set sail for Virginia. Eventually, he ends up releasing prisoners, and in the exchange, he ends up getting killed or tortured, captured, tortured, and killed by the name of the Powhatans. Good for her. Good for her. (laughs) Um, But yeah, his entire backstory... uh, one of the people on the crew said, to understand characters, we'll often write a backstory for them. For Ratcliffe, we thought he started as a commoner who came by an inheritance he wants to hold on to. His greed comes from his terror of ever falling back to his origins. So just thinking about that makes him, for me, much less clearly a black and white villain. He's not necessarily doing what he's doing for the king, for England or the king, but he's been shut out by the upper class and it angers him. (laughs) This is literally the first time I'm hearing about this. Like, <laughs> what? That was the background? That was what they were trying to portray? I, what? I mean, I guess. <laughs> and he's clearly super freaking racist. Yeah. Like, what is this not black and white villain yeah. bullshit? I don't know what they're talking about. What can you expect from filthy little heathens? Here's what you get when races are diverse. But anyway, that's what it supposedly Ratcliffe was. Sorry for that diversion. We're still talking about Smith. Oh, God. Okay, yes. I'm not done with this man. <laughs> it is the summer of 1607, mm-hmm. which was a bad, bad year for Jamestown. The colony is suffering rampant disease, lack of food. I mean, if you read any story about Jamestown, it's miserable. Like, they just were, oh, yeah. they were terrible. A lot of them were people who had, like, just had no experience, like, hunting, working for themselves, farming. They were, like, gentry. So they had no idea what they were doing. Anyway, and then John Smith gets appointed to be in charge of building a relationship with the Native Americans. So in 1607, he's on an expedition. And it was kind of a funny anecdote where he's on this expedition. He gets captured and he's trying to like reason his way out of it and apparently tried to impress them with his compass. And they were immediately like, time to a tree. Bullshit. What is this thing that you're showing me? That sounds like a euphemism. (laughs) 
tried to impress them with his uh, compass. <laughs> okay, so now we get to the execution. Oh my god, this is the best song. I okay, I know I said that Colors of the Wind was a banger, but that's false. It's really, um, I think it's called oh, the the Drums of War, um, but it's like the Savages reprise. Uh, so it's, you know, it's beautiful musically. The lyrics are stunning. They're very clever. Each side is like singing about the savages, obviously meaning each other. Pocahontas is begging Mother Willow, uh, Grandmother Willow, I excuse me, um, to be like, I don't know what to do. My heart is pulled in different directions. The compass is there. All the animals are there. <laughs> Thank God for the compass. <laughs> Thank God for the compass. Um, and, and then she's singing about how loud are the drums of war and she's racing through the forest to get there in time. I don't know what I can do. Still, I know I've got to try. Now we make them pay. Eagle, help my feet to fly. It gets louder and louder and louder. And then the chief goes to raise. I actually don't remember what he's holding. Um, some sort of weapon. Maybe some, some, yeah. Yes. A I hammer, can't a knife, yeah, an axe. Yeah. Sure. Dad is holding something. That, a weapon of some sort and i think i i I feel like it wasn't to like decapitate him but to really like bash in his head which i always Mm. kind of morbidly thought was very interesting as a child um (laughs) but uh (laughs) yes and then you know pocahontas is there and she's like throwing herself on him and she does say because i love her yes yes if you kill him you'll have to kill me too Daughter, stand back. I won't! I love him, father. So, in reality, what was going on here? Um, First off, a number of historians think that this was not an execution. Mm -hmm. This may have just been a cultural ceremony that John Smith misunderstood. (laughs) Absolutely. I believe it. Uh, They generally generally translate it as a quote-unquote adoption ceremony, Powhatan would then refer to John Smith as son in some accounts after this. So, like, it might have something to do with him thinking that he was taking him under his wing, like, with his other chiefdoms that he's ruling over. You know, like, there might be some other kind of connection there. And John Smith just did not understand what was happening. But even more curiously, Smith has written about his travels in Virginia a lot. um, But his 1608 and 1612 accounts don't mention this encounter at all interesting he doesn't actually bring it up until his book general history of virginia which is published in the 1620s and that's when anyone who could verify the story had passed away (laughs) that's suspicious that's weird that's suspicious which leads which is part of the reason not the only reason but part of the reason that a number of historians don't believe this encounter even happened at all what you're telling me that this pivotal Disney moment may not have happened at all? And Mufasa um, didn't die. That's tragic. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's crazy because, like, all of the mythos is around this, right? Her saving John Smith and, like, their relationship. It's just, like, astounding. And it's like, he may have just bullshit yeah. it. And what makes it even more suspect is that he's told the story before about other people. So in writings of his other travels, the story of a young princess saving his life from execution actually comes up a few times. Um, I mean, I guess, but also <laughs> I I just don't, I don't think so. John Smith is not even worth one princess, let alone <laughs> multiple princesses. 
Like, Mr. Fuckboy who nobody likes? I don't think so. Yeah, this is like that guy at the frat that's like, oh my god, yeah, I slept with all those girls in that sorority. And they're like, who? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I'm sorry to this man. Yeah. (laughs) So we'll never know for sure if this happened or even if it happened, then what it meant. You know what I mean? Like, there's Mm -hmm. just so... There's so much discussion about it because it's such a pivotal moment in the mythos, but it's like, honestly, there's not a lot to prove that this execution even took place. But anyway, that's that moment. What happens afterward, though, um, so he leaves Virginia in 1609, kind of like in the movie, he suffers a bad injury. Is he going to make it, Thomas? sooner he gets back to England, the better. Well, let's hope the wind is with him. Going back is his only chance. He'll die if he stays here. And then goes home to England. Good. (laughs) what he deserves. But yeah, so after he leaves, things sort of turn poorly between the communities. After Virginia Smith would actually, yes, run into Pocahontas again uh, during her travels to England in 1616 as the wife of John Rolfe. Um, She did believe that he was dead and was allegedly surprised and like offended that he had never informed her he was alive or had helped intervene in the tensions that were flaring up back home again. He continues to write about his travels from England, and he pushes for more colonization of New England, but he eventually dies in London. And so, Yeah, I know. <laughs> this is what we need more of this. <laughs> yes, he eventually dies. This has gone so well. <laughs> this gaping gunshot wound in my stomach, and everyone's <laughs> fighting back home. Uh, but we should do this more. We should do this more often. Yeah, he got laid by multiple yeah. princesses, <laughs> allegedly. So. And eventually he dies in London in 1631. So he and Pocahontas knew each other, and they had kind of a relationship. Like, when she was in, when she was with the English, she they did seem to teach each other bits of their language and work together as liaisons between the community. But they weren't romantic. Mm-hmm. Um, they did have, you know, a friendship or a relationship of some kind. Before we get into a new topic, the last person I want to talk about uh, is John Rolfe, who is not in Pocahontas. He's a Pocahontas too, um, and that is based off of yeah, and that is based off of <laughs> her real life husband. And it seems like they had made the sequel to basically have her leave John Smith and then fall for John Rolfe, right? Mm-hmm. We walked the same path once. I have found where I belong. I hope you will also find happiness. So John Rolfe had sailed to Virginia in 1609 with his wife, but the ship wrecked and his wife and daughter ended up both dying. He actually had a certain amount of success. He was actually known for developing a successful variety of tobacco to grow in Virginia, which is like incredibly key to stabilizing Virginia's economy. He Mm -hmm. ends up marrying Pocahontas in 1614. And that marriage temporarily helped soothe the, or end the Anglo-Pohattan War that was going on. And they had one son together, Thomas. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned before, in 1616, the three of them traveled to England for a trip sponsored by the Virginian Company. Um, this is what we see in the second movie. At the end of that movie, though, we just kind of, I think, end with them both in England and we don't move on. What happens afterward mm-hmm. is that they both move to return to Virginia, but Pocahontas died of illness on the way. <gasps> And he ends up doing and ends up actually returning to Virginia and gets married again. God, oh my God, these hoes ain't loyal. <laughs> my God. <laughs> I, after all they had been through. I mean, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you gotta do what you gotta do. 
So those are the characters. The last thing I want to talk about, the relationship mm. between the two communities and how it seemed. Was Chon Smith first showing up and them all being like, we're going to shoot the savages. And then when they land, correct me if I'm wrong, but don't they like hand out guns and they're like, if you see one of them, shoot them? Yeah. Right. Yeah. What if we run into the Indians? That's what guns are for. Now arm yourselves and get moving. Because that's the whole thing about Thomas, I feel like, is he is idolizing John Smith. And he's like, you got to teach me how to, like, shoot well. And which, of course, foreshadows uh, Thomas shooting Cocoum. Yes, exactly. This was completely the opposite of what their actual plan was. Because in real life, oh. the English actually wanted to shoot as little as possible because they wanted the Native Americans to fear the weapons. And they said, if we shoot, <laughs> they'll realize, A, how inaccurate it is. Yeah. <laughs> and B, how long it takes to refill it. They're all muskets. Yes. These are like... Yes. These are the guns when they have written the Second Amendment. These are the guns <laughs> you are allowed to keep in your house. <laughs> For when the military comes to quarter. <laughs> this was the yes, America we which, were living in. <laughs> oh my God. Do you remember when that was actually relevant again this year? That was... Yes. I think that was by far the biggest surprise of 2020. That, yeah. Well. The actual twist is when like soldiers quartering yes. was an issue again <laughs> yes uh, okay that's off topic but yes guns point. but yes guns um, they were, were they were specifically yeah. trying to shoot them as little as possible also because they were so dependent on the native americans like yes um the only thing that helped them survive honestly was the kindness of the native americans there, there was n- absolutely no way they were going to survive without them so that is the the overview of, like, the main things from Pocahontas. Obviously, there's a lot of things to kind of nitpick here in terms of, like, certain moments that happen. Um, but, yeah, before I get to Pocahontas 2 and, like, what's going on in London, just to, like, kind of round this out, um, what what are your thoughts? Uh, like, I just want to I mean, <laughs> I I feel like I've learned a lot. I have less respect for John Smith than I originally did, which I did not think was mm. possible. You've done it. <laughs> You've done it. And I'm also going to be very interested. We did not touch on this. Uh, but I'd be interested to know if pugs existed that looked like that. Oh, yes. That is such a good question. Um, you said earlier the animal, like the raccoon, are like native to America. So it is, it's yes. a, it is accurate that John Smith, I think, sees it and is like, what the hell is this? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those words exactly. <laughs> I know what a raccoon is, and I still see them, and I'm like, what the hell is that? <laughs> like, is that a small dog? I'm very con- I saw it, the fattest raccoon outside my apartment. <gasps> really? God, I don't even know. Joan, you know those beach balls that people inflate and they, like, toss up at graduation? Yes. So they're not, like, the really big ones, but they're slightly bigger than the ones that you would take to the beach. I swear to God it was that big. It was stunning. <laughs> What a what a unit. Oh, what a unit. unit. (laughs) (laughs) On very immediate Google research, it tells me that yes, they did exist. Um, Oh, wow. But like may have looked a little different. You know what I mean? But also I don't even know because like all the Disney animals look weird. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I also don't know. Yeah. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) Okay. Pocahontas two. The journey to the journey to the new world. Um, so we've already kind of, like, touched on this a little bit plot-wise, but, again, in mm-hmm. 1616, Pocahontas, John Rolfe, their son Thomas, along with an envoy of Native Americans, sail to England. Um, the envoy included the character who's in the movie Uti, um, mm-hmm. whose actual name was Utameo Makan, Uti for short. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, he's actually sent to, like, 
do some recon. Mm, yes. And he gives him a staff and he asks him to make a notch for every pale face that he sees in England. Right. The Pocahontas's dad asks. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But we must know their strength. Cut a notch in this staff for every pale face you see. Watch over my daughter. Obviously, we know how that goes. There are so many pale faces in London. Um, the scene, you know, when they get off the boat in England, he's just like whittle. It's truly like whittling it down to a tiny stick because he's made so many notches. He so he actually was asked to count the number of people in England, and he did have a plan to mark notches for a tally, but soon gave up. That was actually a plan that they had. And also, he doesn't stay at the end. He returns to Virginia. Like the end of the movie had him staying because he just loves it so oh. much. Yeah, I, I, guess, yeah. I mean, I didn't get the, I, he did, he was dressed very strangely and he was with that like housekeeper. Yeah, who like had a crush on him, I guess. Okay, so when, when they arrive, um, basically yes. the trip was sponsored by the Virginia company because they wanted to use her visit to publicize the success of their colony um, and to impress mm-hmm. King James the uh, first. And they mm-hmm. presented her as a princess, even though that's not entirely accurate. You know, she's not like, the highest princess in the land or anything, but it's like they wanted to make her seem a little more important. Do you, Can you give us a quick update uh, on what yes. that so is about? She, goes, she gets off the boat. Um, London was filthy compared to the mm-hmm. new, uh, to America at the time, and she would have been disgusted. Um, but she gets off, she runs around, she finds a tree. There's apparently one tree in all of London, <laughs> and she finds it. London is everything I've heard and more. London is nothing like I've seen before. Music and feathered hats and roofs that shine with flags flying higher than a pine. Gets dressed up. She learns how to like act like a civilized white person. Um, she goes to a feast held in her kind of her honor. And at this feast is the bear baiting, which mm. I remember so vividly as a child yes. as being so cruel. Yeah. And that was the first thing you said, I think, just to interject for a second. I think it was the first, where I was like, have you seen this movie? And you were like, <laughs> yeah, the bear. And we were like, the bear. <laughs> for those who don't know, bear baiting is exactly what it sounds like. You chain up a bear and you basically torture him by poking him until he dies. Um, yes. And it's incredibly cruel. <laughs> Sire, please stop this. She doesn't understand. Oh, nonsense. Everybody loves a good bear baiting. (laughs) It's incredibly cruel. It was popular entertainment for English royals especially, and James was... It's interesting they include this because James was known to be a big fan of hosting private shows with bears and lions and things like that. The practice eventually gets banned like two centuries later. That's a long time. Yeah, it's because they killed all the bears. (laughs) There's no more bear baiting. Because they they ran out of bears. All the bears. Uh, and, of course, she's saying, this is barbaric. And, you know, they call her out and they're like, this is what happens in, like, our society. And uh, he says some very hurtful things, calls her a savage, locks her up. Yes. At, at that point, the movie is just sort of, like, doing whatever it really wants to. I think they're all locked up and John Smith comes and saves them. And, like, that. Yeah. I- <laughs> <laughs> I'm just also so confused. Like, I just watched this movie, and I still don't really know where John Smith was this entire time. Like, yeah, it's like him? they kind of knew they wanted him out of the way so she could fall in love with John Rolfe, but they have no idea how. So in the beginning, he becomes a yeah. traitor because of Radcliffe's nonsense or whatever. Goes into hiding, and then later he's, like, in a, like, Aragorn style in a tavern with his hood up. Oh, yeah. Hears someone say, Pocahontas has been arrested, and he's like, I need to go save her. Gets on a horse and goes and breaks her out of jail. 
in all the other ones, I kind of go through the plot and over. I'm not even going to bother with this movie yeah. because, like, <laughs> it's like not really important and it doesn't really <laughs> a doesn't lead to b. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's definitely could have been like one of those shorts that Disney likes to make mm. now instead of a full sequel, just like a 20 minute short movie. And I could have gotten all the plot I needed <laughs> from that 20 minutes. <laughs> In 1617, they were just brought before the king at a banqueting house in, like, Whitehall um, at this kind of performance known as a mask, which is the type of party that's kind of like a pageant with music and dancing and lots of stagings. It wasn't this kind of, like, she's brought here demanding an audience with him and this, that, and the other thing. She was really just there from the Virginia Company to, like, show off to the king. Uh, generally very well received. But again, while preparing for her journey home, she likely fell ill from some lung disease. And it's, like, not unlikely that it was just because London was incredibly congested and polluted. It was disgusting. Yeah, it's it's a sad story. And it's sad that, like, Pocahontas is really not the hero of it in a lot of ways. Like, she's just kind of the thing that gets passed around between people. I mean, she's a child. Like, she's there to kind of keep yeah. the peace at home and trying to do her best as a diplomat at, like, age 20, 21. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's a sad story. Like, it's definitely not Disney-friendly. Um, I do notice it's so wild. Like, the color of her skin is just changes all the time in the second movie. I don't know if you noticed that. Mm. And it, it, it was clearly direct to VHS sequel in terms of, like, the budget. Like, everyone's character design is a little oh, odd. God. And, like, even from the start, yeah. even the first opening shot is garbage. So it's like, he's standing over a table looking at maps or something. And just the animation of just his, like, body twitching around the... Like, everything about it, the minute it starts, the first frame, you're like, whoa, this whole movie was made on, like, $30, Max. Yes. (laughs) First scene, like, you're telling me, I'm like, a child drew this. I do not mean to insult the animators that made these movies, but they are so clearly such a lower budget than the first movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would argue that Pocahontas is one of the better animated Disney sequels. <laughs> like, mm. some of them are rough. <laughs> Whenever, you know, people are interested in, uh, you know, searching out the background and, like, the real history and, like, you know, they want to they wanna make sure that everyone knows, like, who she really was and blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, it doesn't... I don't know. I feel like at a certain point, it's also damaging to care about one person so much because... Yeah. Like, she's not an exception. This happened to a million other girls that were native and taken and forced. And, you know, as recently as, you know, in the 1900s, when our grandparents were alive, they were still forcing Native Americans into these schools and baptizing them and, you know, making them lose the cultural genocide of the 20th century. Um, So in a way... I'm glad that Pocahontas kind of serves as this myth. and But at the same time, you shouldn't need to point to one person to be like, oh, actually, they treated Native Americans terribly. Like, the Native Americans have been telling us that. The indigenous people of America have been telling us that. And we don't care because she's not, a, they're not famous, a princess that we have gentrified and created this myth. Like, it's just tough sometimes to uh, have history so boiled down to these representative feature uh, people when you should care about more than just that one representation of the problem. That was such a good summation of mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff we've done on this podcast. 
they'll obviously have certain problems with them and we'll have this debate over like, do you think this movie did more harm than not? Um, and a lot of the times it's like, a lot of the times if a movie is like bringing attention to something that people didn't know before, then I'm I'm just more forgiving of it. Like with The Imitation Game, for example, mm-hmm. which was maybe one of the most one of the movies that we covered that was like the least accurate or of like the most artistic liberties. But it was like, oh, I think a lot of people just didn't know anything about Turing before this. And like be kind of because of this movie, you know, what I mean, it was like it had an effect. If it can shine a light on a certain part of history that's been forgotten and particularly like a marginalized group of people that it's like. I'm more forgiving of the other problems it has. Pocahontas Mm -hmm. has a lot of good about it in terms of the production, but it's hard to see it as like... Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Uh, I don't think I can have an informed opinion on whether it's net good or net bad, just because I simply don't belong to that community. Um, But I think that it's kind of the black square on Instagram. Like, yes, Mm -hmm. it raises awareness, Mm -hmm. but like, does it do anything if people don't then put in the word. Very wise analogy. You're all about these analogies tonight. <laughs> I it's hard to wrap this episode because this is this is the last episode of Real Fiction, you know. But I've had such a good time finishing this off with you. Thank you so much for joining okay, me. Of course. Thank you so much. <laughs> I hope you had fun. I have so much fun doing these. <laughs> I don't have to do anything. I just got to talk about what I feel. I am so proud of you. And, you know, there was a lot happening behind the scenes. So the fact that you put out a full season was just chef's kiss. So amazing. I'm so Thank proud you. of you. Thank you. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs>